0: So I want to ask you today to imagine uh, receiving divine therapy today. How does that sound? Capital D, uh, as in God is the therapist in the room. Are you glad? God is the therapist in the room. And divine therapy happens through solitude, silence, stillness, and surrender. You can even write that down. And then ask yourself, how well am I doing with solitude, silence, stillness, and surrender? Well, some days you might say, oh, I'm I'm doing all right with that. And other days you may be like what, you know, my Ruth, my friend Ruth says, her spiritual director told her one day that she was like a jar of river water shaken up. And that she just needed to sit long enough so that the waters could clear. Now, I have a glitter jar, because I'm not always thinking about my life being like dirty river water, but sometimes there is so much that is bright and colorful and wonderful that I am uninterested in sitting in solitude, silence, stillness, and surrender. So let's define our terms. Solitude. Solitude means to be alone. Can we all say with God? with God? Yeah, because, you know, we all can have solitude times where we're, you know, we're, we're by ourselves, but there's no intentionality of saying, I'm alone right now with God. So solitude is different than being alone. Solitude is to be alone with God, to turn away from human interaction and external stimuli. How many of you would like a little bit of less external stimuli? <sighs> All right, then there's silence. Silence is to abstain from speaking. And um, you know, we had a we had an in-law that came into our family and said this about our family. The Pizzamentis have no whisper gene. And they had this experience with us that we were. We were always talking. We were always singing. We were always debating. We were always all up in it. I, I think your family's like that, too. Yeah. And, and so there are some families that at a dinner table, they're silent. Um, they are abstaining from thinking, or maybe thinking, too, abstaining from speaking. And, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're listening, to the voice that is God's own voice within each one of us. Sometimes we're just listening to our own false self-narrative, our own irritations, our own opinions, our own, right? Okay, stillness. How about stillness? To
1: stop,
0: cease, desist, to not move, to rest, to wait. How long will you let me do that? I told Scott, well, since we're going to talk about solitude, silence, stillness, and surrender, what if I get up there and don't say anything for 20 minutes? <laughs> now, if I were leading you in a practice, you like that idea, Dean? What, what's up? There, there's this beautiful gift, right, that when you are in a group of people who will help you to pray in ways that you can practice um, Stillness, even if you're in the company of others. Scott and I have learned how to practice solitude together. We go on retreat and we won't talk to each other on purpose to be alone and attentive to God. Yes, sweetheart. 40
1: years of marriage takes a silence
0: sometimes. That's right. Forty years, you got to go silent sometimes. And and when you you know Dean likes that one too. <laughs> Um, so the beauty of this is that when you intentionally, um, when you intentionally say to your friend or your uh, or your family member or your spouse, you say, "Hey, how about a day of solitude, silence, stillness, and surrender? Let's plan it together for the intention of listening to God." And then, of course, surrender is consent to yield to God's action within. We are a temple for God and God's own spirit, not made with human hands. And so there is something about surrendering to what God might want to say to you. If you actually have time to practice solitude, silence, and stillness, then you can get to surrender. So I'm going to ask you a question. What is solitude, silence, stillness, and surrender like for you? You can go to your family of origin. What did silence mean in your house? It might mean that there was disapproval. It might mean that you were getting speak to the hand. It might mean, uh, you know, that you had laryngitis because no other time ever was anybody ever quiet. But what, what was that like for you and your family? I want you to think about it. You've got a little card there. You can write it down if you like. But consider how you were formed to think about solitude, silence, stillness, and surrender. Sweetheart, I have um, some papers over there if you wouldn't mind bringing them to me. They're, to the, I think, to the right or maybe to the left or maybe in the bag. Uh, one of the things that um, I have been practicing for about 20 years is um, uh, a centering prayer. How many of you practice centering prayer? Some people call it returning prayer. And there are people that, um, you know, they think that that kind of praying is just for introverts, like people who just want to get away from people. And, but centering prayer actually is a way to break the power of addiction In your life. Do you know that? That there are actually addictions. In fact, Dr. Gerald May, uh, one of the people that I studied um, under his student, uh, he was a psychiatrist who loved God and realized that good psychotherapy and spirituality cannot be separated. That if you have good spirituality but no good psychotherapy, it's like rearranging the chairs on the deck of the Titanic. That you actually need good psychotherapy, you need good psychology, and you need good spirituality. And so I wonder um, what the psychology behind why you do or don't practice solitude, silence, stillness, and surrender. Just just notice without judgment, but do notice because what we've discovered, even... um, Uh, people who don't believe they're addicted to anything, Dr. Gerald May says everyone is addicted. In fact, that word addicted comes from the French word attache, which means you're attached to something. So consider what you might be attached to. You know, what might be the family system? Maybe even the way you part your hair is a part of what your family system required, right? The way you show up to church, might be what your church system required. You're attached to opinions and thoughts that came from other sources. And so we wanna say everyone's addicted. Can you all say everyone's addicted? Yeah, and what AA tells us is actually if they put people in MRIs and they start to practice the kind of prayer that slows down the prefrontal cortex where you're thinking about everything and all that you want and all that you need and your security and your survival and your approval and affection and your power and control, if they actually can get you to practice something like centering prayer or other kinds of contemplative prayers where you cease talking and practice solitude, silence, stillness, and surrender you can actually let go of the addiction. They even have shown um, people who are addicted to alcohol pictures of alcohol to get their craving mechanisms working, and then they had them start to pray in the MRI, and all of a sudden, the attachment is loosened. So there's something really important about us practicing the kind of prayer where we're talking less and listening more where we're actually able to hear from God about our disordered attachments. Are y'all with me? Are you glad you came to church today? Anybody who isn't, you can leave right now. No judgment. (laughs) But when I say that we're all addicted, we might want to just let the Holy Spirit begin to say, so what is it that I'm attached to that I could use some ways of detaching from those things? Okay. So here's the Bible. Let's stand up together. Mark 10. Um, let's see, who's a really good reader that would like to read this for us? Karen? Yep, come on up. Right, right there.
2: As he was sitting, or yeah, as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and I can't read it from there. Okay, and She's a good reader, but she can't see it. Yeah, him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it would be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man or someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one. Oh my goodness. This verse is very personal to me. Um, Truly, I tell you, there is no one who has left houses or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children, fields with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. So just take a moment.
0: Let's consider what might be standing out for us in this passage. You can be seated you ever notice that Jesus and his teachings and parables tends to undermine all the social structures of the time? Like there's always this way of just going right for your stuff. And, and it's about, it's really about Jesus helping you detach from the things you've become attached to. And Jesus talked differently to different people. Sometimes he used sheep. Sometimes he talked about money. Sometimes he talked about leaving family. Sometimes he talked about leaving the land. But he was saying, what are you attached to that you are willing to leave what is better for what might even be good? Jesus is always entering into our lives with teachings and parables that undermine our social structures. It's just true. In fact, one of the things that I think is most important is if when we're reading the scripture, we don't either feel comforted or disturbed, we're not letting the scripture read us. We're just reading words on a page. But if we can allow what we're hearing to enter into a place of silence and stillness and surrender, we might actually hear what Jesus is trying to upend in our lives, or what Jesus is attempting to comfort in our difficulties. When I think about the work that Jesus does in unwinding our attachments to our programs for happiness, Like, Jesus just wants to unwind your attachments to your programs for happiness. And have you ever noticed that there are programs for happiness that don't end up making you happy? Right? And that's the story of addiction. When we become overly attached to something that we think will make us happy, we find ourselves to be unhappy. So there is this gift when we start to let go of our attachment to power and control. You know, that we don't always have to have the last word, right? We don't always have to be the one that has the silver bullet. We don't always have to be the one that, you know, makes everything work our way when we can let go of approval and affection, where it just doesn't matter if everybody approves of you or if everybody is affectionate toward me. It just doesn't matter that I can say I let go of my need for approval and affection. Or how about security and survival? I, I know very few people who've let go of that during COVID. It's actually been right on top. That emotional program for happiness, everybody's done their little dance one way or another. This is how I'm going to make it through this. I'm going to take this thought. I'm going to believe these things. I'm going to get attached to that news channel or that information, right? And when we open to the contemplative gifts of the Holy Spirit, we start having understanding, knowledge, and wisdom. Otherwise, we just have opinion. And I wonder what would happen if the people of God moved from conversation to communion. In a study conducted by NYU uh, Langone Medical Center, we see that people in an MRI, whatever they were addicted to, they actually were able to get unattached to it through the kinds of prayer that teach us how to let go. See, many of us learned how to pray through dialogue and conversation. God's word says dot, 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 in Jesus' name. I say it, I claim it, I believe it, I'm on it, I'm in it. You know, that kind of way. And Jesus could never get a word in edgewise. The Holy Spirit could never have dismantled something you thought before if there was no room for you to hear another way. I love this, that Jesus is upending even the scriptures this guy believed. Right? Like messing with him even around the scripture he just confessed. And he's basically saying, okay, so now I want you to let go of everything. Now I want you to leave it all in order to hear what I'm saying to you today on this day. Yesterday's gone, right? Yeah, they'll start saying, "Holy Ghost. <laughs> Yesterday's gone. Today I'm in need to hear the word of God." You know, people love to quote scriptures like, "The word of God is living, active, sharper than two-edged edged sword. It's able to divide joints and marrow, right? And yes, that's right. And the capital W word is Jesus. The capital W, like, what do I need to hear today? Or am I just telling Jesus everything Jesus ever said before, and I can't hear what Jesus needs to say to me now? If we could just let go of conversation and move into communion... We might experience the kind of divine therapy we need. Elijah experienced it in 1 Kings when he said, God was not in the wind, God was not in the waves, God was in the sheer silence. That's where God was. What is it like to be still and know that God is God? What's it like to be still? when we're like river water shaken up and haven't sat long enough to start to clear. Isaiah the prophet said it this way, in returning and rest you shall be saved, in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Now, I didn't put the next part of the scripture up, and it says, but you would not. And if you read that whole chapter, the folks would not move in to quietness and trust. They wouldn't return to rest, to silence, to solitude. And so they were all up in this, this. Crazy banter, right? We opened up with the the psalm today. God is our refuge. God is our strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be cast into the sea. Therefore, there is a stream that makes glad the city of God. God is in the midst of her and we shall not be moved. She will be helped at the break of day. Okay, and it goes on and we get to be still and know. That God is God. And if you know anything about the history of when that psalm was written, it was around another time they were at war. They were at war. And, and we really see the difficulty of creation, you know, that about mountains and sea and all of that, that we can still be still, even when the world looks like it's going to hell in a handbasket. If we have an inward stillness, we'll be the kind of presence on the earth that helps people be still, too, rather than
1: stay in the
0: conversation and my opinion and what I think and what I say and what I learned and what I'm attached to, right? If we can actually, in the midst of what is happening in creation and you get down a little farther, and you're attackers. It says he causes wars to cease, breaks the iron, breaks the bar. Some of you are in a fight for your life, relationally. And there are attackers. But there is this beautiful gift of being still. But stillness is a muscle that must be exercised. You know, one of the reasons we do retreats is to actually help you develop your muscle. Because just like anything else, if I don't go to practice, I'm not going to be able to shoot that three-point. I'm not going to be able to, to play that scale. I'm not going to be able to know those laws or write down that, you know, editorial or whatever it is you're doing with your... If we don't practice, we will not develop the muscle... And so, you know, some people will say, well, silence, solitude, and and stillness, that's for those people. But, oh, my friends, if we can develop this muscle, we might be the kind of people who get out of the conversation and into communion. So what might happen if you set your timer every day for solitude, silence, stillness, and surrender? Just five minutes, like every day this week. Set your timer Set your alarm to get up five minutes earlier than you normally do. And starting to exercise this muscle where you sit down, you close your eyes, you take a few deep breaths, and you remember that you are a temple for God's Spirit and that God is closer than your breath. You know, I I think one of the things I love the most is when people realize how powerful breathing is in praying. That breathing can stand on its own to help you get out of external stimuli and into paying attention to what the action of God is within our own temple. Inhale. Choose a name for God. Whatever name for God you are connecting with God around right now. Can you just get that in your mind for a minute? And on the inhale, you breathe it in. Whether it's Abba, or Jesus, or Holy Spirit. And then breathing out a prayer like, here I am, come Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. And if you're willing to practice that five minutes every day this week, you might even want ten next week. Because what you'll find is that words might start to fall away and all of a sudden you can let go of distractions and attachments, whether you're worried, whatever you're worried about, what do you have to get done, what do you have to finish, what's your deadline, what does that person think about you, am I going to have enough, you know, am I going to have enough of that, enough of that, you'll be able to start letting go. So a lot of people say, I just can't be silent, it's crazy loud in here. Anybody want to say amen? But we will not be able to speak out of a place of stillness and communion if we let the banter continue without learning how to detach. Another beautiful way is to start out with this wonderful scripture, Be still, know that I am God. Be still, know that I am. And let God fill in the blank. Be still, Know that I, take a minute with that, let God fill in the blank. Be still, know that. Be still, know. Be still. Be. Just be. Just be loved, be held, be known by God. And friends, when you utilize any kind of prayer that helps you move from conversation into contemplation and communion, you're going to develop a muscle that's going to give you the ability to not move out of your programs for happiness, power and control, security and survival approval, and affection. We need to be detached. There's the welcoming prayer. There's returning prayer. And I want you to know that all week long, I'm going to be doing this on our blog, and it's going to be recorded, and we're going to send it to you in your box, because one of the things that Scott and I are so concerned about right now is that people are polarized because they're attached to their own opinions. And that literally, if we want to get into the psychological term for it, there are limbic attachments. You are attached to a particular narrative on your social media. All of the algorithms know you. You are attached to people's opinions, people's rhetoric, and... We don't want to be attached to anything but Jesus Christ. We want to be attached to what is the word right now God is saying to me. And if we can begin to develop this muscle, I have hope for the church to look different than it's ever looked before. You know that um, if you knew me in my younger years, you know that I loved to preach. And I was even a sing preacher. And I would preach, sing, shout, stomp, dance, you know, and and, and I, I love that kind of preaching. But what I discovered was it kept me in the conversation and kept me from communion to only practice that way of being in the world. So I know that I could whip you up and get you really excited right now if I did some stuff, some antics. But what's more important to me is that you develop the muscle of solitude, be alone with God, silence, abstain from your own words and opinions, stillness, you let the river water settle, and surrender to God's action within And then see what the divine therapy tells you. The divine therapist speaks over you about who you are and where you're going and the goodness that God has for you. And then God might even reveal some dark part that God wants to heal. So will you stand with me? I just invite you to take a breath and remember that you are God's own temple. Take a deeper breath. Remember that you're made in God's image and likeness. And maybe breathe in your word for God in this moment. An affectionate term that only you and God know right now. And if you don't have that kind of word at this moment, just maybe even say, God, I'd like to have that kind of relationship with you where I have a word that when I say it, it brings me right home to being connected and in communion with you. Maybe it is Holy Spirit or Abba or healer or friend. Let's breathe that in. then breathing out here I am God isn't looking for you to do gymnastics to have to have all the right words and all the right answers and have done all the right things you can't it's not possible but here I am like a child who runs in the room says here I am continue to breathe that prayer. your thoughts try to hijack you and get you off course just come right back to this breathing and prayer
1: Be still. Be still.
0: systems and programs and to attach to what is more true, to the truth of who each of us are, know ourselves by the name you call us, to hear that we are the beloved of God even when we feel least
1: beloved. Souls would find rest in you. I want to be still and know. Sing, know you are with me. Know you. know you are with me be still and know you are God and when I emerge from that place with stillness
0: to lift your hands to God or fold your hands or lay your hand on your own heart and just declare what's true for you about how you feel about uh, being alone with God. Even though, Jesus, you practiced it, you would go away and go to lonely places just to listen, get away from crowds. But we know that we are still becoming our best selves. Will you help us to know why we avoid being alone with you so that we can confess that and take a step? And even this week, God, would you help us understand why we resist silence and have the TV on all the day or the news or on Instagram or Twitter or wherever we are, but we are not abstaining from words? Would you help us to know what that's about so that we can confess it to you? And oh God, would you help us to clear the water so that we can see you more clearly, we can love you more dearly, that we can know you and surrender to the most beautiful love and life. We were created to live, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart
1: would come from being clear. To love you more dearly and see you more clearly, I want to be still.
0: you to sit down for 30 seconds and just jot yourself a note about anything that came up for you, anything God was getting your attention on today. Well, bless you, my friends. Watch your inbox this week for little five-minute meditations that you can try on and see what helps you. Any kind of prayer like this is just a model to help you to let go, to get to know God in a new way, and exercise this muscle that will actually help you detach and do some divine uh, therapy.